Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit our website at yourgracepoint.com. That's point spelled with an E on the end, P-O-I-N-T-E. The website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Now, here's Pastor Aaron Zielinski. All right, as you've heard a couple times, this week we're focused on joy throughout the season of Advent. And I just want to kind of reiterate what um, Dominique and and October read this morning uh, from the angels when they appeared to the shepherds in the field. They said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, as Advent is, is here, we're celebrating Advent. Remember, the word Advent simply means coming. We're focusing our attention on Jesus' coming, and particularly what we're going to celebrate on Christmas morning when Jesus came. But we're also looking forward to the time when Jesus comes again. Because we're in the same place they were, waiting for the Messiah to come to restore all things. Jesus came and he started that work, but he's going to come again to bring it all to completion and to fulfillment. So the first week of Advent, we talked about hope, the hope that we had in Jesus' coming and the hope we have of him coming again. Last week, uh, Pastor Jose talked about the love that Jesus uh, is and how his love is self-sacrificial and giving, and we need to love like him until he comes again. And today we're going to speak about joy. But what do you talk about joy? I mean, is it as simple as saying Jesus came and we should be happy about it? I mean, certainly that's true, but that's not all there is to be about it. Should we just read all of the responses of joy? If you read through the first two chapters of Luke's gospel, there are countless expressions of the word joy and rejoice. And there's all this celebrating from, uh, you know, John's parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah, getting conceiving and having a child. And then Joseph and Mary having a child. And then there's the shepherds in the field. And there's this prophetess named Anna that's at the temple. There's this guy, Simeon. All these people are just ecstatic with joy and rejoicing that the Messiah has come. But is that it? I mean, what do we do with joy? What even is joy? You know, there's all these things that we've got to, I think, slow down and just take a moment and think through these things so that we can have a deeper, richer, fuller understanding of what God has called us to and the joy that he's given us. So this morning, we're going to break it down uh, with three different questions. Number one is, what is joy? We have to differentiate joy from other things, particularly happiness. Joy and happiness are very, very similar, but they're two very different things as well. Secondly, why should we be joyful? I mean, what is it about Jesus that should give us such great joy? And then thirdly, what, what do we do with that joy? You know, what, do we just be happy all the time? Is that what joy means? Uh, what do we as believers, as followers of Jesus, what do we do in our joy as his people? So first off, what is joy? Joy is not just being happy. Okay, no matter how much it seems like it, and no matter, how, no matter how much happiness is associated with joy or joy with happiness, they're two very, very different things. See, happiness is a feeling, a state of being that kind of results from circumstances. Okay, when good circumstances come about in your life, you're happy about it. 
And we've all experienced being happy at various times. Some people uh, tend to be more happy than others. Maybe sometimes we have days that we're more happy than other days. And you know, if you're, you're walking through a parking lot and you find a $20 bill, you get happy about it. You know, everybody's happy when they find money, uh, especially if you don't find too much money. Because, you know, if you find a huge sum of money, you realize, I, you know, I need to find out whose this is. But if you just find five or 10 bucks in the parking lot and there's nobody else around, it's just blowing in the wind, you're like, sweet, I got five bucks. You're happy about it. Other things can make you happy, though. You get a promotion at work. You imagine that you come in, you get a promotion or, or you just get a raise. You know, you don't even get more work added onto your workload. You just get a raise. Get happy about that. You know, the Georgia Bulldogs have an undefeated season and you're happy. Oh, wait, they didn't have an undefeated season. Sorry, but we love you. But they could still win the national championship. They're not out of it for that. But, but sporting things, you know, when our sports teams win, we get happy. When the Steelers beat the Ravens, I was happy. A particular Ravens fan here, not as happy. But we can see the difference. Um, that, that's what happiness is about. Uh, happiness is the opposite of sadness, which is also related to circumstances. The Steelers did not win on Thursday night. I was sad. They played a great game after it looked like it was going to be terrible. But say you lose your job, you're sad. You're the one that lost five bucks. You're sad. Happiness and sadness rise and fall with circumstances. Happiness is always visibly recognizable. This is crucial. This is a significant part of happiness. Happiness is always visibly recognizable. You can see when somebody's happy. Okay, and, and that's understandably so. It kind of has to be that way. You know, when somebody, something great just happened, you can see it all over their face. Whether it's the facial expression with a smile, maybe they just have this little aura glowing about them, maybe they're, they're bubbly. Sometimes you can see people just kind of like buzzing with excitement. They're happy. But imagine if it wasn't that way. You know, imagine if somebody just had the meanest scowl on their face, like I just found $10 and I'm excited about it. That doesn't even make sense. Because you would, no, you're not really happy. If you were happy, you would see it. So that's happiness. Joy is different. Joy goes much deeper into yourself, into your soul, than happiness does. Happiness is a very surface thing. That's why it's always visible, because it's very surface. It's not, it's not to say that it's shallow or wrong or, or superficial, but it's just, it's very surface. That's what happiness is. And certainly in joy, there, there will be happiness and there will also be excitement, but with joy, there also comes a resolve and a longevity that can transcend circumstances. That's where joy is very different. Joy is not dependent on circumstances. It's an all-encompassing sense of ultimate well-being. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not just a feeling. It, it's a sense. It's an understanding of ultimate well-being that it is good. Because God is good and he is for me and I know what he's done for me and I know what he will do for me. Therefore, I have a deep joy that will never go away no matter how challenging my circumstances are. I can still be joyful. 
And that's where joy doesn't arise under circumstances. But joy is one of those things that kind of comes up when certain conditions in life are realized. For instance, you surrender your life to Jesus, you now receive a status of being a child of God. Your sin is forgiven, you are declared righteous in his sight, and you are guaranteed of an inheritance with him for all of eternity to be in his presence. Those conditions are now the case in your life, and they naturally produce joy. Okay, they, joy automatically arises when the conditions for it are met, and that's certainly the greatest one. It, and it's not affected by negative circumstances, not affected by negative events, bad events that happen. We all have negative things that happen in our life. Joy does not go away with those things. Joy can transcend that. You can be sad and still have a deep abiding joy in your heart. You, know, you can still, you can have sorrow over the lost job. You know, you lose a job, you're not happy about it. You're sad, maybe it shows in your face, you know, a, a Husband comes home for work, has a look on his face, and his wife just knows, honey, what's wrong? I lost my job today. I got laid off, whatever the circumstances was. And you're sad about that, and there can be great sorrow, but you can still have this deep abiding joy knowing that God is going to work all things out because God has said, I will work all things out for the good of those who love me and are called according to his purposes. You can have that joy when you're sad about losing your job. You can have joy uh, when children are born. Certainly, we rejoice when children are born. We are not happy the first night they're up screaming throughout the night. (laughs) Nobody's happy about that. But nobody's lost the joy that they have a new child. Right? You're not happy when when they have a, a, a nasty diaper you have to deal with. You you know, spousal arguments. I'm not I'm not changing it this time. I did it last time. You but your joy doesn't go away, right? You still have the joy in your son or your daughter, this baby that is yours, whether you're happy or unhappy in the given moment, the joy of the child or the grandchild, and you know, from what I've heard, grandchildren are an even greater joy than children because you don't have to deal with the dirty diapers and the through the night stuff. Um, Maybe one day I'll find out about that. Not yet though. And as such, you can't always see joy as visibly as you can happiness. Okay, joy is not visibly uh, recognizable all the time. Sometimes it absolutely is. You know, some people just have a joy about them. Even when their circumstances are horrible, you can still see the joy of the Lord in them. But not always. You know, sometimes you're, you're overcome with sadness. Sometimes you're in such a state of loss, uh, particularly when you lose a loved one, there can be such loss, such grief, such mourning and sorrow. And that doesn't mean you're not joyful because you can still have the joy of the Lord to know that your loved one is with the Lord now. And you can rejoice in that with real joy and still be unbelievably wrecked with sorrow and grief at the loss that they're no longer here with you. And so you see the difference. Happiness is very dependent on circumstances. Joy is not. But it does need certain conditions to arise in your life. But once it's there, it remains. I want to read something uh, from uh, Dallas Willard as he speaks of joy. And this is just one of the greatest descriptions of it I've come across. 
he's speaking about the love that we have from God. And he says, joy is natural in the presence of such love. Joy is a pervasive sense, not just a thought of well-being, of overall and ultimate well-being. Its primary feeling component is delight in an encompassing good, well-secured. It is not the same as pleasure, though it is pleasant. It is deeper and broader than any pleasure. Pleasure and pain are always specific to some particular object or condition, such as eating something you really like gives you pleasure. Recalling something really foolish you did brings pain. But for joy, all is well. Even in the midst of specific suffering and loss, self-sacrificial love is therefore always joyous, no matter the pain and loss it may involve. For we are always looking at the larger scene in which love rules, where all things, no matter what, work together for good to those who love God and are drawn into his purposeful actions on earth. That's what joy is. It's a deep abiding sense of overall ultimate well-being that is secured for us because of what Jesus did when he came that first time. That's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. Not just the baby born, but what that baby's going to do and what that baby's life and death and resurrection will mean for us as God's sons and daughters in him. So why should you have joy? Again, there are a lot of different reasons for joy. And we talked about a, a couple of them. Children are a reason for great joy, and that's a joy that abides through the rising and falling of happiness and sadness throughout circumstances. Marriage, marriage is, is a great joy, even though there are highs and lows and happy moments and sad moments. Marriage is a joy. When a marriage loses its deep abiding joy, that marriage is in trouble. Because the joy of a godly marriage should, should be able to endure the rising and falling of good and bad circumstances because we're going to have them. We, we live a real life. Your vocation can give you a deep sense of joy if you love what you do. Yeah, that's why there's the saying, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. If you're joyful and excited about it, it doesn't feel like a, a drag. It's not like, oh, I got to go do this again today. If that's the case, get a new job really. Heard it once said, you, you should love Monday. <laughs> really? I mean, you should love Monday because you get to go to work. If you love what you do, if you just absolutely dread Monday, get another job, really. But there's only one condition of joy that is truly unshakable one that is truly will never disappear, can never be taken away, can never be too, you know, the apple cart can never be too upset. Nothing bad can take that. And that is the joy that we have in Jesus. That is the only lasting joy. And that's why people who don't know Jesus, people who are not walking in a loving relationship with Jesus, restored to a right relationship with the Father, they can never know the ultimate sense of joy that they could know as humans living this life. They will never know it. People who don't follow Jesus, they're, they're happy. They have happiness. They, they have joy. But, but they can never have the deepest ultimate sense of it. Because every other condition of joy can be shaken, can be taken away. I think of it like, uh, think of a tree. 
you know, a, a tree is not going to grow or die based on minimal circumstances, but an overall condition of its life. When a tree is planted in good soil, it has adequate water supply, good sunshine, the weeds are taken care of around it, bugs are kept from infesting it, a tree will thrive under those conditions. It doesn't matter if a storm comes because that tree is healthy and it can weather the storm. It doesn't have to have sunshine every day because the sun will come out again and it's already been well established. But if you change its conditions, you get rid of the soil, you completely cut off its water supply, things like that, then, then the tree is in danger. If we're rooted, and I love Paul uses that kind of language, rooted and grounded in Christ, the conditions of, are set for us to be filled with joy because of what Jesus did. Those conditions are there and nothing will ever change those conditions in him. The greatest joy-inducing condition in all of life is Jesus, who he is and what he did. What he did for you, what he did for all of humanity, what he did for his creation, and what he's going to do when he comes again. Those are the most joy-inducing things that can ever be. What he did on his first coming, his first advent, what he will do on his second advent are things that we should just be filled with joy in the most amazing way. As Pastor Jose talked about last week, he demonstrated his sacrificial love in the highest of manners by dying so that we could live. You know, that, that's the single greatest thing you could do for somebody else is give them the gift of life by giving up your own life. And that, that's why even in, in marriage, husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church because we give up our life so that our, our spouse, our wife can live to the fullest. We're, we're called to that. And it's a joyful thing. It shouldn't be a drag, a, a grudging thing to do. It, it's a joyful thing because the more sacrificial our love is, the more like God our love is. And if our goal is to be like Jesus, then we begin to naturally and joyfully put others' needs in front of our own. That's what he did for us. In the most amazing way, he truly gave his life so that we could live. He rescued us from sin and, and we know about this, we talk about this a lot as believers, that he, he took away the punishment for our sin. We can go to heaven. We don't have to go to hell. We don't have to be separated from God for all of eternity. But we also need to, to emphasize and understand that he died to set us free from the slavery of sin in this life. Okay, you don't have to just wait till you die and get to heaven to be free from sin. You're free from it now. Whatever sin you're struggling with, you, you're not chained to it. The chains have been broken. You're free. The door's open. You just need to leave. Okay? We're free from it. We're free from its slavery, free from its mastery, free from its effects in our life. We can walk and live in that joy now. We don't have to wait for that to be realized when we get to heaven. As such, we've been brought out of darkness and death. We don't have to live the same miserable life that the world does. And unfortunately, if we're honest, most followers of Jesus, our life does not look substantially different from people in the world. We don't live in the joy of Christ, but it's there for us. It is. It's not this thing that's way up there that we're never going to get there in this life. It's not that. 
The joy of the Lord is here for us now because of what Jesus did. Jesus didn't die and go through everything he suffered for us to still live a miserable life. He didn't. As he was leaving, he, he said, in me, and you can read it in, in John 15, he's uh, on his way out, so to speak, and he's talking to his believers, and he says, I'm telling you these things that in me you may have joy and your joy may be complete. Full joy. You know when something's filled or complete, there's no more room for any more? It's full. We can live in the fullness of the joy of Jesus in this life. We can. It's a reality. It's a possibility. You have to know that. You have to believe that. And you've got to envision yourself being that because it's possible. That's what he came for you to have. Jesus restored you to a right relationship with the Father. There's no more separation between us and God. You know, again, to come back to the marriage, uh, but it's not just marriage, any relationship. I think marriage particularly so, but you know when you, you're at odds with your spouse and you just feel that wall that's there? Or maybe it's, it's a friend or, or a, a sibling, maybe it's a child or a parent. You know, there are sometimes, you know, Gina and I will, will have an issue and, and we'll talk and then we'll, we'll try to hug and you're hugging and you're touching, but you know yeah, there's still something between us. You just, you feel it. And it's real. It's really there. And then once you do truly, fully reconcile, I will just embrace and just kind of, you feel that? Yeah, I can feel it. There's nothing there. And, and you've experienced that to some degree or another in some relationship or another. But it's like that with God. Prior to what Jesus did and prior to surrendering your life to him, there's this wall between you and God, there's this separation that's there. And no matter how much you, you try to do the religious thing or, or you try this spirituality or, or that or whatever, there's, it's always there. But in Jesus, it's gone. It's gone. There, there's nothing between you and him. It doesn't always feel that way. Circumstances change. You know, sometimes we, we're in a, in a different state of mind, but we have to know and understand that we're reconciled to God period. Nothing can change that. Satan can't change that. No one can take it from you. That is why it's an unshakable joy in him. He enabled you to experience true life now and to an even greater degree when he comes again. That's why we should be filled with joy. But thirdly here, what, what do we do with that? I mean, do we just enjoy it? Just be happy about it? Just walk around bubbly all the time? You know, not, not everybody has that kind of personality. Some people are. We should be generally more happy than people who are not following Jesus. Kind of hard to not be smiling when you know that you're with Jesus and what he's done for you. If we're meditating on those things, it should be visible. But there are three things I want to talk about that we can do with our joy. First of all, you have to cultivate your joy, okay? Again, just like the tree analogy, the more you cultivate those conditions that naturally produce a healthy tree, the more you cultivate your understanding and awareness of what Jesus has done, the more joyful you're going to be. Because we can do certain things and we can choose to never really think about that and then we're really not going to be walking in the joy of the Lord because we never give two thoughts to what Jesus actually did. 
So we need to cultivate that. Paul told Timothy to fan and to flame the gift he had in him. He, he didn't say, wait for God to do it for you. He said, Timothy, fan the flame. You have to cultivate your joy in the Lord. All of our waiting and partnership with God is an active waiting and partnership. We don't just passively sit there. You know, I'm just waiting for the joy of the Lord to be my strength. It never will be. Never will be. You have to cultivate it. So how do we cultivate joy? The, the primary thing you can do is to meditate on the realities we've just talked about. And when I mean meditate, I'm not talking about a new age, Eastern, you know, empty your mind, repeat your mantra kind of thing. That's not biblical and it's not godly at all. Uh, we're never called to have an empty mind. We're called not to clear away all of our thoughts, but to focus our thoughts with intentionality. So when you meditate on these things, meditate on the fact that Jesus died for you. Meditate on the fact that you are forgiven. Meditate on the fact that you have been set free from the chains of sin in this life and you can live in light and joy, not in darkness and gloom. Okay, focused thought. Take time. Get a particular passage of scripture and memorize it. Take 10 minutes a day and just read it think about it. Ask questions about it. Well, why is this the case? What does that mean? How does that really work in my life? Talk to somebody else about it. But you have to cultivate your joy. And the more you do so, the more you will see it. Secondly, express your joy. Praise God and thank him for what he's done. You know, whatever it is, I mean, just as simple as thanking him for his salvation. You know, a lot of times when we, as a family, pray at night or something, i I just take the time, you know, we're thankful for the different things in our day, but I always want to stop and say, God, thank you for the forgiveness of our sin. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that you didn't just take away my sin, but you gave me your spirit to live inside of me. Thank you for that. You know, one of the reasons we, we do communion every Sunday, we never want to take for granted what Jesus did on the cross. Too often we do. We, we can let that just become almost an afterthought in our walk with him, we, we want to draw attention to that on a regular basis and be thankful for what he did. We, we've got to express that. You see that again, if you read through Luke chapters one and two, you see that everybody involved in this whole arrival of the Messiah, his first advent is just praising God and giving thanks. I mean, all over, you look at, at Mary, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Zechariah says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. The shepherds, after the angels appeared to him, it says that they, um, they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I mean, just one after the other after the other is, is praising and glorifying God for the joy that he has given them in the things that he's done. So don't just keep it inside, express it, be, be loud, be vocal, praise God. I mean, that's why we sing on Sunday mornings. It's not just because it's a, some church tradition to sing songs, even though believers have been gathering and singing of God's goodness for thousands of years. But we do it because God is worthy and he's done so many good things. How can we not but sing about it? 
Do that Sunday mornings when we gather here. Do it Wednesday nights. If you come on Wednesday night, the first portion of our time together is just, we've got praise and worship music playing. You can stand and sing and worship. You can take time by yourself to pray. You can get some time in the word, Um, but it's there. You don't have to do your praise and worship all here at church either. You know, you can sing praises to God when you're at home. You can turn on a Christian radio station and sing while you're driving in the car. Keep paying attention to the road, but <laughs> worship God. I mean, there, there are tons of time. Every now and then as a family, we'll, we'll just put on, I mean, gosh, just get on YouTube and play some worship music or whatever and, and just worship as a family and just sing together of the goodness of God. We, we can't fall into this trap of thinking we can only and primarily express our our worship of God and our acts of service to him at church here, right? We, we don't want to fall into that trap. Okay, this is a place where we come and we worship together, but this should never be the only place we pray, should never be the only place we worship, should never be the only place we get into the word and hear the scriptures explained and taught, should never be the only place we see one another. If you only see each other here on Sunday mornings and not again until the next Sunday, we've got some relationships to grow in. Because we should be living life together. But the the joyful thing and the praising God for what he's done can't just be here in this building. Thirdly, share your joy. Tell other people about it. Tell them what your joy is and why your joy is. And I promise you, if you're cultivating this joy in your heart, it's going to be seen by people And even when you go in and and they know some bad circumstances happened and they see that you're not completely wrecked by it, they can say, how do you do it? How do you endure that and and you're still okay? You can say, well, let me tell you about the joy that I have. It's not dependent on my circumstances. And it's a joy that you can have too. It's an opportunity that's there for the taking. Be willing to talk about Jesus and what he did for you. I mean, really, we've got to be comfortable. You know, things that make you happy, you're very willing to talk about. And that's true. I don't care who you are. There is something that will get you going. Right? For some people, it's sports. For some people, it's hunting and outdoor stuff. For some people, it's maybe cars or, or motorcycles or when we were in Colorado, it's snowmobiling or skiing, um, camping, whatever it is, we all have something that will pique our interest, our eyes light up a little bit, and we say, oh yeah. I mean, sir, my dad will purposefully, whenever he's flying somewhere, wear a Steelers shirt because any airport you're at in the world, somebody will approach you and talk to you. It's just a reality. I've been there. I've been all over the world. I've seen Steeler fans everywhere I went. And if you bring that up to them, it's like they've known you forever. And they're, oh yeah, well, did you see this? And you see that? As believers, we should be like that with Jesus. Right? We should. We should just be thrilled to talk about Jesus all the time. Anytime, we should just, why wouldn't we? I mean, if the things we really believe are true, and if we really do believe those things, why wouldn't we just be ecstatic to talk about Jesus at every opportunity we could get? And it doesn't have to be this weird churchy kind of thing. I'm not a fan of churchiness at all. 
That, that's what the Pharisees were. They were very religious. They looked the part. They fit the bill, but there was no substance. Let's just be real people and just talk about the things that really get us going, like Jesus. I mean, if I really love him as much as I say I do, and I really believe that he loves me as much as he said he does, and I really have the joy of knowing that I'm forgiven and I'm right with him and I get to be with him forever, why would I not just be ecstatic about talking about that? We should do it. We should just share our joy. And you might think, well, what if, you know, what if other people don't want to hear it? Well, you know, if the conversation's there, take it. Even if that's not the answer they wanted about why you're happy in the midst of a bad circumstance, that's okay. They asked. You're just answering. And you're giving them truth. And that's okay. And we've got to be willing to talk about Jesus. Just a simple conversation where you talk about Jesus in your life. So as we focus on joy throughout this week, I want you to keep these things in mind. The joy is different from happiness. Okay, joy is deeper. It has more resolve, more substance to it. It's that sense of ultimate well-being because of what Jesus has done for you and what he's going to do when he comes again. That's why we should be joyful. And we've got to cultivate, express, and share that joy with everybody around us. It's not something to be kept to yourself and contained, much like Jesus gave the analogy of light. You know, nobody lights a, a candle and then hides it. No, light is to be seen. Your joy is to be seen and shared with the rest of the world. So let's take a moment and just thank Jesus for the joy that he's given us in himself. Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, the website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you.